Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast to go with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts, but we're not going to be critics, and we're not going to be throwing numbers at you. We're just going to be asking at the end of the movie, So Did You Like It? I am Sir Square, and joined as always with my co-worker and co-host. I'm the new baby that may or may not be the co- new coming of Christ or Satan. Cause. And as I have the theological debate of a lifetime here, because of course your existence just does that to me. That's right, we watched the Adams Family Values, because that's what this is about. This isn't about family values. This isn't about the Adamses. This is about how... Okay, maybe it is about the Adamses because they technically brought the second coming of Christ. That could also be the Antichrist. Because it's not just... It's it's all the same side to the same coin, my people. Let's see how sloppy this is. Let's try to coordinate the snap. I have no clue if I even picked up on the microphone. Well, let me, let me see what mine looks like. I think it did. I think it did. We'll, we'll find out. We will. Anyways. I think maybe hey. I talked about to say that we're an idiot. Adam's family. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely listen back to this. We'll figure out how synced it is. <laughs> hey, I don't know. Those snaps seemed a little bit off. Ooh. <laughs> this movie uh, is like, you, you explained it as this is the movie you probably remember the most because you'd catch it on ABC Family when it was just on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't own it. It just showed up all the time. Like a ba- <laughs> like a baby out of nowhere that just kind of happened. Like that cat that you know you shouldn't have fed, but you did, and now here it is. <laughs> like seriously, she's just like Gomez. Good news, I'm having a baby now. <laughs> and then we just cut to the hospital. <laughs> Does it hurt? Is it excruciating? <laughs> Are you packed with fear? Yes. <laughs> As she like crests his cheek. It's wonderful for her. <laughs> I mean, that, that is how you top the, the first movie. Because remember, the first movie starts with them basically tar and feathering uh, Christmas carolers, which is like, I can agree with that. I can get behind that. Yeah. I think we all have felt that need. And if we don't, if we haven't all, I might need to see someone about these thoughts. <laughs> let's not linger on that. Actually, we'll come back to that. Where's my mind? I swear, that's becoming my new catchphrase for this podcast. We'll come back to that. Put a put a pin in that one. We'll circle back. No, we won't. Why would we? Why would we ever do that? Kind of will, because these Adamses are kind of like my vibe. As we were watching, I was like, wait, wait. Hold on, she doesn't want a hug, and uh, she doesn't like smiling, and to kind of brings people uh, around her down with her misery. Huh? <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> I'm all into this, this vibe. This explains the blueprint I didn't know I followed my whole life. We want to talk about how the baby was able to stop a guillotine, even though they were just born like two weeks ago, and they already have a pencil thin mustache. Yes, let's talk about the inhuman strength of Pubert. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Wait, wait, what? No. They wanted a name that would make sure that he wouldn't get teased about. No one that really, you know, had a strong, confident, manly name. So they called him Pubert. Oh, this is beautiful. Because, like, you really have to think about it because... And it worked. What... (laughs) What happened with Gomez Adams? I think he got his brain scooped out while he was sleeping. 
that 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 probably happened, but also the the fact that so you've got Fester Adams, Morticia Adams, Wednesday Adams, Pugsley Adams, now Pubert Adams. <laughs> and then what we just got Gomez. Uh-huh. <laughs> we got Gomez Adams. Okay, Wednesday isn't that weird of a name. It's the hump day. It's the it's the middle okay. week day where everyone's just All like, right. oh man. Everyone thinks Monday is bad. Come on. Come on. Okay, well, I guess, yeah, Gomez is the most normal of them, sure. But also, he didn't pick Morticia's name, I don't think. You think that's why Gomez tries so hard and is so eccentric compared to the rest of his family because of his inadequacies based off his name compared to the rest of his family? That's some deep shit, man. I don't know. Mostly, <laughs> I think they're just a perfect family. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you don't want to break this down with me, Cass? You don't want to break these walls down about the character known as Gomez Adams? No, I think in the first one, if we look to the, like, the babushka or whatever thing, I think I think we see he's over the top, but I think that just might be him. Yeah, yeah. Except he was always jealous of his brother, Fester Adams. Love that he's, like, they're all just so dramatic in their own ways. Morticia... Constantly stoic, never really shows emotion, but she, like, speaks so dramatically still. And yet, I don't know, I feel like Gomez is, like, the drama queen, I think, amongst them. <laughs> like, he is a man who is fit to go into delirium when things do not go right, you know? That is true. And it shows. It shows when he's, like... <laughs> Like, he's losing his whole family. Uh, spoiler alerts for later on in the movie, but, like, yeah... Pubert starts getting golden angel-like curly hair, rosy cheeks. Fester's moving on with the woman that he married. No, 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 no. Don't even start with that. You can't just say that. All right, we're talking about the second coming of Christ here now, because not only does he have the golden hair and rosy cheeks and, you know, beautiful complexion of, of, of small baby child... He has straight up warped of reality in his own room to go from this morbid, dangerous, knife-wielding room to a, you know, very cuddly and nice nursery. That's fair. He even changed his own crib. And didn't have a mustache anymore. He shaved his own mustache. I don't even, I don't know if the baby had to shave his face. Hey, what's going on with Pugsley? Where's the facial hair on that? Did he just not get the strong Gomez gene? He's more of a, he's more of a fester, Adams. <laughs> okay. He takes after his mom. You know what? I think that might be fair to say that he's the one that takes most after his mom. Yeah, right. Anyways. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, like this man is losing his mind because this is the worst thing that could happen to him. And he's just delirious on the bed, like swinging, swing low, sweet chariot. And even when like Fester shows up and they're like, oh my God, Fester, he's back. He's like, Fester, oh, how could he be back? He's with Debbie. Oh, you know, he's just so over the top dramatic and I'm kind of here for it. I just, oh. I love how you said that, like, Pugsley takes after his mom mostly. It's like, you're right. Because when you think about Wednesday Adams, she really does take more after. She t she's like the perfect match between the two of them, where it's just like the calm grace of her mother and then the overall eccentricities of her father. Because what Wednesday can accomplish when she just puts probably five minutes of her time towards something is insane. 
Yeah, she does seem very goal-oriented to the things that she... Well, I really think she wants to do, but when she does have something that she decides, she fucking goes for it, and it's kind of scary. <laughs> and rad. This is what I think. If it has anything to do with tearing down the uh, uh, the establishment, Wednesday's yeah. gonna succeed. As, as I think is illustrated on, in this movie, should we get to it, the awkward-to-talk-about uh, segment of the... <laughs> movie or do we want to like uh, kind of talk more about ar- around like you know leading up to it which awkward to talk about segment are you talking about all right so this isn't a visual medium but i imagine like a fucking 80s splash screen with like big chunky letters it's like not all white people but definitely these fucking people <laughs> <laughs> okay 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 Go on. I mean the camp counselors we have here at this summer camp. Oh, that you're you're oh, talking boy. about Gary I, if, Granger and Becky Martin Granger. They had the same last name. Were they related? Wait, were they married or were they like? I don't want to imagine <laughs> any possibilities. Are they like brother and sister? Because yeah, I got no vibes out of that other than just fucking squares, man. If they're married, it's definitely a sexless and stress-filled marriage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to dwell. That's why they only get they only get their satisfaction from bullying the kids that they feel they need to bully. I'm gonna assume brother and sister because any other relationship, and I am disturbed. Even that one disturbs me. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah. You were okay with just thinking they were just friends or coworkers? Yeah, just happen to be two losers <laughs> that are just from this side of life okay here i'll make it better for you there's gary granger and becky mark and granger is that better damn no (laughs) i tried my best (laughs) Uh, you just sound like those people who want to say like target and like oh come on do we not all call it target no I paid the extra money. I get to call it a fancy name. All right. You do you. You know what? <laughs> Let me talk about these fucking people now. I'm here for it, man. I'm, I'm ready for it. I feel if... So this movie also was like kind of written uh, for its time. So, you know, some parts of it age a little like, Ugh. but like, I think these people are, written, are are kind of like, if it weren't for like how overtly like fucking just out of touch and awful that they are, uh, that they were. Uh, I would have thought that, ooh, man, this movie really hasn't aged well, but I think we're supposed to just be like, yeah, no, it's it's just these fucking people. Um, every stereotype of affluent white people who have never had to deal with uh, any kind of a hardship and or meet anyone diverse in their life. <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're the camp counselors for this Chippewa camp which already feels like some kind of appropriation going on there. He does a... The guy is writing a Thanksgiving play that they're going to enact for all the parents when they come and visit the camp. I think uh, they cast... like Okay, we cast all the like pretty white girls, whatever, blonde white girls, to be like the pilgrims and all that stuff. And Okay, sure. And then I guess because we don't have much in the way of choice here... We cast Wednesday Adams, the palest girl in the entire camp, to play Pocahontas, who I don't think it was a 
part of the Chippewa tribe, but I, I, I don't know. Once again, I guess to them, it's all the same. Yeah, you know, summer camp that famously puts on the Thanksgiving yeah. play. We, we show that it's the whitewashed history version of Thanksgiving as well. And also they can't pronounce the name Jamal because I guess they've never encountered once again any kind of diversity in their life. I also struggle with the name Consuela, but they get it. Hey, I don't know, man. These are, these are some terrible characters here. So these guys are some they yikes, are some am yikes. I right? Like, there were definitely moments where it didn't, where, like, they would tell, like, certain kids, just like, I honestly do not have a care for you. Yeah. Though, I, yeah, and they get, they get all the kids with disabilities and make them all the Native Americans, which, once again, I don't really want to dive too deep into what the implications of that are. Uh, no, no, no. Let's do this. Come on. Don't be afraid. All right. You start. No, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I do like uh, Wednesday Adams's interactions with uh, Amanda Buckman, the camper. Yeah. Which, by the way, did yeah. you recognize her? Uh, I know she was a, bo- a Girl Scout girl in the first Adams Family movie, and then... That's exactly what I meant, that she's the... Okay, good. Let's stop there. <laughs> that, that's all I know. But the fact that they kept her on, it was just like, these two know each other. I love that these two girls know each other. Mm-hmm. And it leads to some pretty great interactions, like the the swimming sequence... Mm-hmm. The lifeguard training, just that moment where like it's like I'm training to be an actress one day, and then drums in. It's like help me, help me, I'm drowning. Well, not only that, they said we want to, we want uh, the uh, lifeguard, and we want the victim. And she yells out like, "I'll be, I'll be the victim." And fucking Wednesday, Adam, not skipping a beat with the snark. It's like your whole life, <laughs> your whole life, like, and then you. oh. Ooh, that just cold stare is like the camp counselor's looking at her and she just goes, I can't swim. <laughs> then we cut ominously to bubbles coming out of the water. <laughs> like, oh. It's like, maybe you should go in and fix that because <laughs> your girl ain't doing it. Uh, yeah, and then Wednesday Adams even has like the scariest part of like the uh, the little camp circle horror stories that they're all telling. They're telling like some kind of ghost story or something. Yeah, Amanda's just telling some bullshit ghost story about. Yeah, some kind of ghost that will come back or whatever and is gonna get you. Blah. And then they inv- they invite Wednesday to join in and finish the story. She like says it's stupid. It's like you're just a scaredy cat. You're a coward. So she jumps down. It's like then after all the campers went to sleep. When they woke up the next morning, they all realized all their old noses grew back. And that's enough to freak out all these little affluent girls. <laughs> all these affluent girls who obviously have had nose jobs. Because, duh. Because that is the people we are dealing with in this movie. But you know what? We're talking about Wednesday because Wednesday's got great moments and Wednesday's amazing. And we'll get back to Wednesday because we still need to address the fact that this is actually a fester movie not a wednesday movie you know i feel like both of them the the weak part of these movies is that both of them do the same thing uh, with fester fester has a woman in his life who wants his money and the first one it was his quote-unquote mom oh god you're right (laughs) yeah and in this one we we get a, a woman who comes to marry him i mean yeah he goes to marry him and then get all the money after you know 
collect all the money after he's dead, which he does to a certain efficiency, played by Joan Cusack, which I got to say, this is like the weirdest I ever, I think I've ever seen her in a movie. And she goes pretty weird, but she's pretty cool in this movie. Like she's fucked up. She's got some great lines in it. And the way she just seduces Fester is top tier. Hey, she even seduces Thing for a little bit. But once Fester's got his eye, eye on the prize, Thing, a man of boundaries, does not does not go to pursue anything after Except that. why was Thing at the house? Fester's house blew up. Uh, you know, I think he's a good detective. I think he know he 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 he, he was th- knew something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. Couldn't be anything else. Thing was also like around the the house during all stuff. Why? What are you getting at? I'm just saying. What could it possibly <laughs> be? We know that Thing is a talented, talented hand. Yeah, he's great on a skate. He's great. <laughs> just saying, probably, probably a great companion to have. Those finger muscles must be astounding. <laughs> For snapping. For snapping. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. And he's really good at arm wrestling. I think Gomez beats him, doesn't he? Shh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, this... I guess I could see why this is one of those movies where it's... I've always... I watched the first one a lot more than I've watched this one. And I, Uh I, I guess you're right. When it comes to Fester's story, it is... It does seem a little bit boring that they just kind of repeated the story for him. Except they just put him in a different situation. Yeah. Though, I mean, it's great seeing how resilient he is and how impossible to kill Fester Adams is. Instead of mommy issues, he's got mommy issues. (laughs) (laughs) You were waiting to use that, weren't you? (laughs) Oh, mommy. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah, she her whole conceit, her whole thing, her whole deal is that she marries rich men Kills them uh, after their wedding night, and then gets the gets all the money, and then moves on to the next guy. Which you know, okay, cool. You know, we all got our own plans for to you know secure that financial bag. You get yours, girl. But like, Fester proves to be like unkillable. Like we always like played with the idea of like, oh, what happens if we try to kill the Adams family? I think in the first one. Uh, I think Wednesday Adams was gonna hook Pugsley up to like the electric chair. And I think something happens where they just that ends up not happening. They're constantly trying to like kill the baby, hit it with a guillotine, which it stops. Um, throw the baby off high heights, like off the house and then off the balcony. Trying to kill the baby all the time. Fester gets a radio thrown in the bathtub while he's taking a bath. Which, by the way, that bathroom looks like the same bathroom from like the first episode of Tales from the Crypt, where that those people also died from electricity. But that's a tangent. Anyways, uh, so he survives being shocked, and then he puts a light bulb in his mouth which, with a pretty cool party trick, I gotta say, honestly. Always good. Always good. Then then she, like, blows him up with the house that he was in, and he, yeah, he's just in that house. It's not like something happened, and it's like, oh, oh, look, he, he somehow made it out or got away from the blast radius. No, she blew his ass up, and he was fine. Do we even think, like, they presented like they were in danger, but do we even think that any of them were in trouble during the electric chair part? Which, by the way, seeing the tiny little baby pubert in a tiny electric chair was pretty funny. Oh, wait, no, 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 he wasn't. He wasn't in it. He, he was uh, there. It but was Thing. It was seeing thing. Cousin Thing just in this tiny electric chair was really funny. But, yeah, were any of them actually in any danger? Probably not, considering <laughs> that Wednesday Adam <laughs> straps Pugsley to the electric chair all the time. 
Because we saw that in the first movie. Yeah. But so it, does she ever flip the switch on him? I thought they stopped, like they stopped her before. No, because I think they said the no. It's fine. Five minutes, and but you need to come down. Like they do. He does. Uh, she does okay. shock him. But my thing also is when Debbie pulls the gun on Fester after the house blows up. Why is he scared? At this point, a gun cannot kill this man. I doubt this. I doubt this so greatly. I think maybe it's... This man was just blown up. How is a bullet going to hurt him? I think maybe it's the more of the heartache of the situation, because he does really like Debbie. Mostly, actually, you know what? I gotta say, honestly, I don't think he really likes Debbie. He's like, he just wants to find someone to be in love with. He really kind of envies Gomez and Morticia. And she gave him the positive attention he wanted because she wanted his money. But, like, she gave him the positive attention. So he felt like he loved her. So I guess to see her draw a gun on him was maybe why he recoiled or was kind of like, I don't know. That's me trying to rationalize something. Yeah. It's just at this point, like, he he is the man of steel. I expect bullets to just plop off him without any sort of problem. Yeah. Ping, ping. You know, I'm trying to think if there's ever uh, I don't remember the first one as much. Like I said, I'm trying to think if there's ever a situation where like, I don't know, like a slapstick thing where like maybe something fell on his foot or something when he maybe actually felt pain. But I don't know if he feels pain because we know Gomez can be injured because in the first one, he definitely gets uh, cut up a little bit in his sword fight. Yeah. I don't even know if Morticia can feel pain either. No, probably not. Because, yeah. Think about the first one. They put her on that rack where you stretch people, and she seems more turned on by it. And this one, childbirth, she's, I mean, yeah, she says she's, you know, she says it's excruciating pain. She agrees, yes. Then she pops out the kid, once again, showing no emotion, no tears, no anything. Um, The most emotional pain she's shown is like when Gomez was kind of, going through it and she this is the only moment of distress she asked her mom uh what should she do and her mom once again these people don't miss a beat just says well you've already got a black dress <laughs> and she smiles at that she's like you're right you're right it's exactly what i have it's a very morbid family and i kind of love them oh my gosh <clears throat> to that note i do want to say a little bit something for debbie actually that's kind of tragic okay Listening, I'm listening. Given different circumstances, she would have fit in great with them if she weren't so like weird, selfish, and like in her own head and devo- devoted to this whole like marrying Fester just for his money kind of thing. She's their exact kind of vibe. Like, but but the, here's the thing that that turns out not to be true as well because remember when Morticia when they go to see Debbie and Fester after they're married and Morticia talks to her. Morticia talks about how you know you've ter- you've taken Fester away, you've brainwashed him into something less than than a man using your feminine wilds, and for that I could I could uh, forgive you, respect you even, but really, Debbie, pastels. Okay, yeah, that's that's the the, the mama tiger coming out and like going you know bearing her fangs because you know. This chick is fucking up their family. I mean, she's that she's doing that for her husband's sake. But like, yeah, honestly, she's all for like the kinds of things that Debbie was doing to Fester. 
Uh, she just, you know, the fact is, once again, she, if given circumstances, there's different circumstances, if she didn't split the family up, if she weren't just in it for the money, if she weren't, like, so self-centered, uh, she would fit in, because, like, she shows them, like, a slideshow thingy of, like, how, like, you know, her, her weird, bratty, rich person, uh, like, excuse for why she started murdering, and every time she stops a slideshow and talks about how her needs weren't being met... The grandma Adams was there and just, oh, I don't think her last name's Adams, but the grandma was there every time just like saying like, and look, they didn't see your needs. Oh, what about Debbie? You know, no, no, oh, they didn't leave enough time for you and all this stuff. So she could see her from an empathetic point of view. Debbie kills people. Gomez brags about being acquitted of being a lady killer. They killed, a, they they baked a woman in a cake and all that she gets for that is c'est la vie <laughs> they're not exactly against murder i think she would fit in kind of perfectly with them <laughs> but but she kind of sucks like i said the problem is she's self-centered what Shit, I got nothing. You're right. What? Like, <laughs> even, even when Fester engage, uh, uh, you know, proposes to her, uh, they find the ring, or she comes and shows the ring. It's like that's my mother's. She was buried in it, and she has the shovel. And honestly, it's not like they haven't dug up their graves before and or gone around like calling the their old dead relatives uh, while they're buried underground. So I don't even think that was out of turn. Oh yeah, she did. <laughs> They did grape rob for that ring. And it kind of seems on brand, I think. And it was pretty on brand. So, yeah, I, I gotta say, tragically, if Debbie weren't such a selfish piece of shit, I think she'd have fit in perfectly with the Adams. She, she would have been a great Adams. I think Dementia will do fine, but, you know, I don't Dement- know that as much. Dementia will do great. It was almost a their character made perfectly to compliment faster but you know yeah that just shows because who am i to say the adams had to go through babysitter after babysitter after babysitter fucking cousin uh 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 cousin it yeah cousin it found a perfect one i don't know if right away but you dare you looking at that lady you can damn well tell that she is ready to raise that weird furry child of theirs uh cousin it's baby is adorable yes just (laughs) Oh my gosh! Looking at it, you're just like I just I I I I've looked at you for five seconds, and I will kill everyone in this room, including myself, to protect you. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I mean, I want to say even cousin it is adorable, but I think he's a grown man, so that'd be weird. He is a grown man. <laughs> I don't know how the. <laughs> I don't know how how yeah. how the uh the illusion for cousin it is broken when you see him just like you know chain smoking cigars and drinking scotch like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, and he's married and has a kid, sure, I guess. I mean also yeah. Pugsley at one point is smoking a cigar. Come on. <laughs> That's right, Pugsley is a smoker. Man, Pugsley. Pugsley's a character that you don't get a lot of screen time. Not really. They use him very sparingly, but he's still good. Uh, everyone in this is good. Um, it's just that Wednesday Adams has does so much more of the heavy lifting between the two. Uh, and uh, Christina Ritchie, yeah, she really carries that role so well. Um, that she kind of does overshadow Pugsley. Um, but yeah, even then, I gotta say, Pugsley Adam, spot on. 
does his job well. Ever, not not a single miss amongst the cast. Honestly, yeah, it's it's hard to find any fault with any of the uh, cast members here in the movie. When it comes to the family itself, everyone was perfectly cast. Everyone did all of their roles perfectly, and even uh, just. <sighs> Raul Julia puts so much love into Gomez Adams. It's I, I know that there are like other adaptations of the Adams family, and they're actually more in line with the original comics that the Adams family is based off of. But growing up with these movies, you know, just seeing Raul Julia as Gomez Adams is just natural. It's just so good. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those like just fandom things where I'm just like it was my childhood and I gotta say that's my Gomez Adams. That is always gonna be my Gomez. My beautiful Gomez. We've and sorry. Go on. No. Keep going. Go. Oh I was gonna go. I was gonna go into a weird tangent. I want it. Alright. We even go and spring for the star power for background characters. <laughs> when we I go to the bar to for, for Debbie's Bachelorette party we get a bunch of sailors, or a bunch of, yeah, a bunch of sailors singing Macho Man with Debbie as she's partying it up before killing her, before she's ready to kill her husband. And in the background, we have, I don't know what he's supposed to be, a Greek sailor man, Tony Shalhoub. Jorge. Jorge. <laughs> Played by <laughs> Tony right. Shalhoub. Tucker, this, we've spotted a wild Tony Shalhoub. You know, obvious editing music you've had ready for this moment, for these, this incredible time in film. It's right here. We found Tony <laughs> Shalhoub. We found a wild Shalhoub in a movie we weren't ready for. I just imagine it's like one of those Oscar moments where it's like angelic, like, you know, a choir, like a bit of a, like a, not really choir, but like you have like the, like fucking instruments playing in the background and it's all like, you know magical and angelic looking and you just have that deep voice and now presenting Tony Shalhoub (laughs) (laughs) it was just so funny since we had been like making that joke about like oh man maybe we could do like a March Madness with just Tony Shalhoub movies don't give people ideas but we can't fulfill it's not gonna happen we couldn't we couldn't make this happen but it just was a wild sensation of just like both you and I watching the movie we're just like is that fucking Tony Shalhoub right there? <laughs> and he's just there, he's like, hey, your husband, he's a, he's a, a lucky guy. <laughs> I'm Damn like, it, your husband, he loves you so much. I'm like, is this the guy from Phantom Menace? The fucking weird, like, uh, uh, pod racer guy? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, Was that Tony one... Shalhoub as well? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and just the voice he's putting on, which I don't know. I don't know what Tony Shalhoub sounds like outside of like Monk and like 13 Ghosts. <laughs> oh, and he's a Galaxy Quest. So yeah, he doesn't sound like that, I'm going to think. <laughs> this is just a funny voice. Like, I don't know. It's Adam's family. So yeah, they probably were just like, yeah, do something funny. Do something wacky. And he's just like, hey. Oh, yeah. The classic film, uh, 13 Ghosts. Yeah. The most, uh, the most amazing of ghost films with the star that power. Has- Tony Shalhoub and Matthew Lyle. Sir, Shaggy carries that movie, actually. <laughs> but we're not here <laughs> to talk what? about you 13 Ghosts. <laughs> And how right I am. Uh, but 
even just the scene with these uh, sailors like has so much character personality into it because like as soon as Debbie leaves they're like ah whatever and they're still singing Macho Man and doing like some kind they're kind of dancing a little bit and like yeah this like older lady just with like a tray of drinks or something is walking by and they start trying to form a conga line behind her and she just instantly just turns on like nope 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 and they're just following dancing behind her <laughs> like you didn't need this but it was fun to do those are those moments where you have to think that probably actors like just have fun when they just show up and sit rent like they're the days where it's like yeah it just kind of showed up at set one day and this is what they asked me to do and it's like great that's awesome it's beautiful <laughs> look look we paid for tony shalhoub for the day so <laughs> we got shalhoub we're gonna use shalhoub you don't waste a good shalhoub you never waste a good shalhoub I feel like the word sh- the name shalhoub is losing all meaning and i don't understand what we're saying anymore <laughs> It feels like when you're in front of a baby's know, face man. and you're just going, gah, 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 gah. and I'm like, what is this anymore? <laughs> what is life? What is Shaloub? So who kills, uh, who kills Deb? Deb? Debbie. No, I'm answering Deb kills Deb. Yeah, but how does Deb kill Deb? With lightning. <laughs> Sorry, that was. And, you know. Baby power. When I do the with lightning thing, I hope Tucker edits in Raul Julia as M. Bison doing the like. <laughs> and he fell to earth like lightning. Sorry. I'm, I, I completely just <laughs> sidelined your. We have to watch Completely sidelined your whole thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the baby. The baby through. Just the, like life. <laughs> Be prepared. It's kind of my thing. Uh, the the baby, I think, once the family's all together finally, uh, before Debbie comes in with a shotgun, which once again we don't know if the shotgun would have done anything, but they listened to her, so they oh. strapped them. They let her strap them to the chairs, uh, and then I guess the family being reunited, we should we we go to a shot of the crib. Reunited and it feels so we go to a shot of the crib everything seems back to normal in its morbid way and the baby sh- blows fire out of its mouth from the crib and then yeah wacky shenanigans happens as the baby like starts like getting out and like falling down the stairs there's a bowling ball and shit uh and then yeah the baby just hitting you know just grinding the rails on the skate like a fucking boss uh, until it eventually ends up where the rest of the atoms is, 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 is are and then yeah I think it chews the wire that was connecting the electric chairs and then connects other wires which I guess leads back to Debbie are you telling me this uh, this 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 mythical figure is also a master electrician no I'm saying that the house's wiring is poorly done Okay, that makes a lot more <laughs> like, sense. Like, why would you... We need, we need certified home inspector Brian. Listen, <laughs> there's nothing paranormal happening in this house. I don't think. Maybe there is. Anyways. If there's not, then what's the point of this house? Oh, I was going to say, didn't they used to have a dragon in their basement? But that's the Munsters, I believe. Munsters had the dragon. Yeah, no, they, they, they have the, the giant vault in their basement. Yeah. You know, with, like, an underwater, like, uh, eldritch city-like canal. I did like in that first one they had like the the to get to the vault there was like that thing where you had to like pull a chain and if you pulled the wrong one this big old like armored glove grabs you and fucking yeets you out of the house. <laughs> that was kind of a hilarious running gag. That was it was pretty great. Um, it was great. I also love the library of the Adams, you know. Uh gone with the wind. Yeah, it had like 
<laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, wait, wait, <laughs> hold on. I don't think there was that much wind in Gone with the Wind. Oh no, some of the things those characters would say, like there's definitely some hot air. <laughs> hey <laughs> So how does Wednesday lead the rebellion? Oh, okay, we're going over back over there. Sorry, I was just talking about Debbie. Um. Electrifying herself until she was powder? She was just powder, shoes, and credit cards. I forgot about that. Like, she got electrified oh so hard, all of everything just dissolved and turned into just ash. And all that was left was her pink sh- uh, uh, high heels and credit cards. Yeah. Really saying something about commercialism, man. Capitalism. It's the only thing that stays after our remains are gone. All right. <laughs> <laughs> We might be gone, but at least we still have our credit card debt. I'll be dead, but my debt will live forever. Damn, that's depressing. Uh, so Wednesday, well, <laughs> I'm gonna go crawl into bed, guys. But uh, Wednesday and Pugsley kind of feign being um, broken by the whole like weird conditioning they were doing, where they just locked him in a hut with a bunch of Disney movies. I don't think it was just Disney because the Brutal. kid says Disney, and they start with Disney. We do Sound of Music. We do some other stuff. Some of which I... Oh, Brady Bunch. We do Brady Bunch as well. The Brady Bunch will turn anyone into a good person, apparently. God. No, it's definitely used as a torture technique. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when are we watching the Brady Bunch movie? Anyways. <laughs> um, oh, tomorrow. <laughs> ah, shit, no. No. There's plans in motion. Alright. <laughs> Let's reuse the song from Malignant. All right, uh, so, so, uh, what the fuck was I talking about? Uh, so yeah, they pretend to be broken by by this conditioning, and so Wednesday does the greatest, one of the best scenes uh, of I think that uh, that one of the best Wednesday scenes at least is where yeah she talks about she wants to dance, she wants to sing, she wants to be part of the play and all that stuff. And she even wants to learn how to smile. And, like, she goes from, like, her regular, like, dour face to, like, what looks like a very strained, hard to, like, do, like, smile. Where it's just, like, yeah, it just feels like it hurts her face to, like, pull her her, her face up into a smile. And then it ends with her just this bright, beaming smile that scares the children. And, yeah, that was a brilliant scene. That's That's what you gotta do. That is what you've got to do. So that that leads into... You have to give sacrifice to win the war. Give something to your enemy to gain there all you go. your enemy. Uh, and, and so, yeah, they pretend to be uh, willing participants in this play. Well, they pretty much are willing participant, uh, participants in the play. Pugsley's a big fucking turkey uh, singing for people to eat him, which... I think it was kind of lost in generations, but at the time it came out, I remember my mom got the biggest kick out of it because the slang at the time, around the time the movie came out, when you told someone, eat me, that was an insult. No one says that anymore. No one says, like, bite me or eat me. We'll say, like, eat shit now because we just, you know, you know, fuck it, just make it vulgar and tell someone fuck off kind of thing. Uh, But yeah. The fact that he would constantly sing and just look at those parents and say, eat me, was kind of supposed to be like a funny little gag um, that I think is just kind of lost nowadays. But anyways, they do that. Uh, uh, Wednesday is going along as Pocahontas and she starts saying that like, you know, like, oh, what's her face? The pilgrim girl or whatever. Oh, she's the most beautiful and this and that and all that. 
Um, and then, then shit fucking turns on a dime. And everyone watching the movie was just like, fucking yeah, get him, Wednesday. <laughs> she talks about how the people will prosper and they will, you know, kind of shove them into reservations and mobile homes. Uh, they'll become poor selling watches while uh, the rest of them are like enjoying like luxury cars and all this other bullshit. And she said, and for that, they cannot break bread with, with the pilgrims. <laughs> and a man's just going, I think she's going off script. That's not what was the line. Yeah, that guy's ready to fucking get out of his little box that he's sitting in while he's like directing it. He's like, he's like yelling at her, like, Wednesday, Wednesday. And he's like ready to crawl out there. And uh, Martha Bouvier is like pulling him back uh, to make sure that he doesn't get out. Because <laughs> I guess they're trying to see where it goes. Uh, and then, yeah, she uh, says she's going to scalp her, which, once again, I, 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 I don't know for sure. I couldn't confirm this with 100%, uh, uh, 100%, but I did a quick Google and wiki search. I don't think the Chippewas uh, scalped people, or at least there was no mention of it. They actually seemed like they were just kind of like they kind of settled in one place rather than be nomadic. And they traded a lot with like Canadians and uh, French Canadians and uh, European settlers uh no mention of scalping so it it just sounds like there was a lot of appropriation at this camp same like it and once again it's one of those is it the movie out of touch or is it well we honestly wouldn't expect these children to know anything they just were dressed up as like just stereotypical uh native americans and they were going to do an uprising and so this is what they thought to do <laughs> hey and they did it really well it they did it really well at some point, it looked like they were going to burn Amanda alive. Yes, which we do not put her on the list of deaths because we do see at one point when Pubert gets launched into fucking space, uh, he he does, like, pass by the airplane that shows, like, Amanda and her family just looking miserable, uh, flying, I guess, back to wherever the fuck, and Pubert just kind of looks through the window. So we do, can confirm Amanda's alive, but... We get parents who get, you know, pies thrown in their face. We have flaming arrows shot at parents. Uh, kids are tied up and or chased into the water. Uh, and then by the end of it, we see both the camp counselors um, tied up in a spit uh, over a, a flame. <laughs> Shit. So do we put them on the on the body count here? Are we up to four now? I think you put them on the, on the dinner menu. Hey! Hey! They didn't have an apple in their mouth, so yeah, I think I think that was for seasoning. Uh, so I think we're up to four deaths that I know of that I can remember. That's the Adams family. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Adams family. This movie that, like I said, I remember watching a lot on ABC Family. They would show a lot of times it had four confirmed deaths, or at least two confirmed deaths, and possibly four deaths, and a sex scene where Debbie is riding faster. Granted, it's tame and i think they're both wearing clothes but this man is like going cross-eyed has his mouth agape as he's just sinking into the bed uh <laughs> it's it's ridiculous it's it's fine this is this is a children's movie <laughs> it's, a ch it's it earns its pg trust me trust me yeah they're gonna need a lot of guidance this is why i am the way i am <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything else we need to mention about this film Mention all Debbie, the camp, pubert. Nathan, once again, uh, one, uh, once again, listing just like weird, just side characters that have just a few lines. 
We have Nathan Lane as a cop in the precinct when when Gomez is trying to, like, uh, get Debbie arrested for marrying Fester and enslaving him with sex. Uh, And then, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal with, like, it always struck me as weird even then when that scene with the precinct, because, like, I don't know if it's what what if it's like a bit referencing something I don't understand, but like yeah, Nathan Lane's character just just saying words that don't resp- correspond with anything Gotham's Go- Gomez is saying. It's just a weird scene altogether. And then yeah, he uh he has them arrested. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess not for very long, but he has them like jailed or at least Gomez for I don't know. They don't really say, but yeah, all he says is that the precinct is useless and he demands justice and that he's seen horrors in this world beyond comprehension and knowing, but he has never seen Nathan Lane. It was very strange. Not as good as Tony Shalhoub. No, not as good as Tony Shalhoub's scene. But no one can ever be as good as Tony Shalhoub. They can try. They Uh, can try. (laughs) Reach for the stars, people. I don't. I don't see Nathan Lane being in Galaxy Quest. <laughs> I don't see Nathan Lane playing John Cusack's editor in fourteen oh eight. Oh fuck me! <laughs> I forgot about that one. Hey, you know what? It's back on everyone. We do enough. Know enough movies for Shoni Shalhoub Madness. I'm sorry, March Shalhoub Madness. Except every time we talk about these movies, it's always like he's in supporting roles. And really be like, let's talk about this John Cusack Mark movie. your calendars. We're watching 1408, and we're only talking about the Tony Shalhoub parts. It's going to be our first 10-minute podcast. <laughs> we have the dinner scene where it really shows that Gomez is the suave one and that Fester really looks up to Gomez. Really looks up to Gomez. Oh, they do have a fun. Really looks up. To yeah, Gomez. like you know, they start doing the, the the dancing things. He starts talking about how they can, how he should woo his woman. Uh, they do like this badass dance scene where they're uh doing some kind of waltz and they literally light the place on fire. But like that's fine. It's in a cave, so nothing, no damage done. Uh, while Fester's over there being like a walrus with like two pieces of carrots, I guess I don't really know what he's sticking in his nose. Uh, there is a funny moment that I really forgot about that really made me laugh for no reason other than I'm childish was uh, the scene where Debbie is like ready to like have sex with Fester and she's like, all right, if we do this, though, and then Fester says, oh, don't worry, Gomez told me no giggling. <laughs> <laughs> no giggling whatsoever. And I just I'm a child and that is really funny to me because I don't know. I think if you've ever had a long-term relationship, I think that just happens. Dumb shit has happened in the bedroom. There's been giggling. <laughs> but yeah, it just it's a funny moment. Just that was the one thing that uh Gomez told him. Um and, and yeah, yeah, it's other than that uh yeah, no. I think we pretty much covered it. There's probably something here or there that I'm going to like message you about or see you at work tomorrow and just be like, "Fuck! Can't believe we didn't mention this." But I think we pretty much got the brass tacks of it all. Wednesday, Adam found her, uh, mon cher. No, oh, right. And then possibly, we don't know, he could be added to, like, the body count by the end of it. Because they were talking... That's, that's, uh, I just want to save myself from one of those. Ah, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they have a cute little, like, you know, there's this kid who has, like, uh, uh asthma and allergies. And he's kind of a... His name's Joel. 
And his dad in the movie is played by the director of the movie. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, and he's kind of a dweeb and an outcast like the rest of them in the camp. Like, all the all the ones in camp are basically, like, just archetypes of, like, dweebs or outcasts. Or, you know, I guess the Adamses were, like, the goth kids. Uh, and he was, like, the nerdy kid who just wanted to read and had allergies and shit. And, and be one of the goth kids. Yeah, yeah, as we all did. Uh, and so... Uh, yeah, by the end of it, he has, like, this uh, adorable, like, drawn-on mustache, and he tries to, you know, you know, each, you know, they have, they have some funny little flirty moments when he tells, you know, they're sitting, like, by the lake, uh, you know, in front of, like, this beautiful, like, sunset or something like that, and when he tells her that, like, oh, if he gets allergies, he can go into shock and die, she has this, like, little scoot next to him, it's, it, you know, it's, like, little, little, little children who have, like, a crush. It's adorable. Uh, but by the end of it, she does, he, he does ask her if she'll ever get married and have kids. And she's like, nah. And he's like, well, what if you meet the right guy? And she says something along the lines of, like, she would torture him and then scare him to death. Or she said, no, they talk about Debbie. And she talks about how Debbie was sloppy because uh, she got caught or found out uh, and then got killed. And she said if she, she had a man, she would uh, probably just scare him to death. And the kid's like, ah, no, you wouldn't. And he goes up to Debbie's grave and, like, puts a flower on and a hand reaches out. And he's screaming out in terror as she just kind of smiles down at him. I don't know if that means it succeeded and she killed him and or maybe this is just part of how she flirts. Homegirl needs to be a bit more socialized. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe. As a kid, I thought that was Debbie's hand. I was like, how does that make sense? She's burnt. But it's, you know, Wednesday, so it's probably a prank. Maybe it's Thing or someone down there. Yeah, because it would have just been dust that they would have buried. Yeah. Yeah, they just buried Ash and a Urn, maybe, if they bothered to get one. Shoebox, A couple maybe. credit cards. They just, bar- they just put all the ashes in the shoes <laughs> and then just put it down there. It's like, this is how she wanted to be remembered. Yeah. So, Cass. Malibu Barbie. No, she wanted Ballerina Barbie. Shit! God damn Cass. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, did you like it? Yeah, I still do. There's a bit of oof to it in, in, the, in the way it aged and, you know, some of the attempts at comedy, but, uh... It's silly, it's fun, and it's just fun to see, like, this outcast family that's just, like, outsiders and they're weirdos, and they just absolutely adore each other. They're such a close family with each other. Like, Morticia wants to, she, she finds fulfillment in her married life. She just wishes she could find the dark crusade, and, or the, the hellish uh, evil, and join its dark crusade. And Gomez fully supports her. He says, we can. And that's why this whole plot happens to begin with. And that's just because they love each other. And it's beautiful to see. <laughs> it, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Uh, Squared. Yeah. So did you like yeah, it? Yeah, I was actually surprised. I only ever saw this movie once as a kid. And I didn't remember particularly enjoying it that much. Because I really just liked the original one. The first one. It's wonderful. One I love it. Good. I still watch it like almost every year, you know. Like, I have to. But this was fun. It was great. Like, it, it's not as... It, it doesn't compel me as much as the first one does, but I still had a lot of fun. I loved... We got a lot more Wednesday Adams in this movie. Like, Christina Ritchie got to really flex the role a little bit more, and she brings it. And I think this was, like, a really... It's a good. It was a good movie for Raul, Raul Julia. Both this and Street Fighter. Like I think this was. This was. This was, <laughs> this was good for them. <laughs> no, 
No, I'm being serious. It was they're wonderful. They're whimsical. It's yeah, just dude, fun to, to watch me, and laugh and have a good time. And they do what actors do, and that just it brings like a smile to your face. You have a great time, and for an hour and a half, you get to just relax. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I don't know. For me, it's like between the two movies, I think it's kind of just equilateral. Like I can't pick because first one has so much good moments in it too. Um, and this one, I think I just, because I've seen it the most, I can probably just recognize the most parts of it. But yeah, both good. And we both seem to like it. Hey. Hey. So what do we got going on in our lives? Um, busy. It's the holidays. Shit sucks where we work. We're yeah. going to be tired for the rest of the podcast until the year ends. Oh, next Everything's. Week. Next week is going to be so bad. Everything is misery and pain. Yeah, yeah, next week we're going to watch your movie, then we're going to do a podcast on it. And in between watching the movie and the podcast is where we actually get the break. But we're not doing anything then. We're doing it on the hard parts. Anyways. Yep. Um, but yeah, for streaming stuff, uh, Bubs and I are still doing spooky shit. We're doing some uh, Resident Evil uh, Outbreak, the online one. It's co-op. We're we we're bad or I'm bad at it. Bubs is actually really good. Um also doing Silent Hill One, which is fun, it turns out. Who knew? Um What? <laughs> then finished Guard of the Galaxy and I swear he told me what he was playing next and I already forgot it. Oh, but next week for Thanksgiving, I think, or when this comes out, you'll have already missed it. <laughs> I think. When do these come out? Anyways, on Thanksgiving, we're doing Hollow Knight co-op, so both of us are doing uh, a Joy-Con each um, and doing one of the hardest platform, side-scrolling platform games ever. That's fun. Uh, you can find that... Which sounds horrible. You can find that one, and probably not this live, because we don't do these live anymore, uh, twitch.tv forward slash second respawn. That's the number two ND in the word respawn. All squished up together. Uh, and I'm joined here by the uh, housebreaking uh, menace, Sir Square. <laughs> Got nothing. Um, the possible uh, reincarnation of the devil himself, Square. There you go. That's a better one. Ah, I like it. What are you up to? Uh, honestly, right now I've just been playing some Death's Door. I've been playing some Arkham Asylum. I've been playing uh, just a variety of games while I'm also getting ready to start doing some model building on stream. Just have some fun. And uh, yeah, that's about it. And Dungeons and Dragons. A lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, this, uh, this podcast comes out every week edited. Uh, by our good friend Tucker, where you can follow him on Twitter at TuckerWins or on Twitch at twitch.tv uh, forward slash tw- Tucker underscore wins. He puts in a lot of hard work for us every week, and we love to shout him out every week to to show our appreciation. Um, he plays chess. He plays Fortnite. He talks about the important stuff like Ticketmaster and Taylor Swift. And yeah, overall, great guy. Puts in a lot of work. Next week, it's what y'all been waiting for. It's the holiday season. We're in the full swing. So you're thinking to yourself, this is it, guys. This is finally the moment. And that's right. How do we follow up the Christmas Prince? It's a holiday with James Gunn. Yeah, it's a very James Gunn Christmas. (laughs) It's a very James Gunn Christmas. We're going to be looking at 
four James Gunn's film, James Gunn films for the next four weeks. Uh, two of them he has written. Two of them he has directed. We're kicking off this wonderful holiday with James Gunn with the just classic film Slither next week. Really get those Christmas vibes pumping in your veins. I love it's that I've be seen. Great. I love that I've seen every one of these movies, and I'm just gonna be like that guy who's just like. Looking, looking at the screen, looking at you, looking at the screen, looking at you. Does he like it? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You didn't laugh. Wait, 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 wait. This part's good. This part's good. This part's good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the plan. We're going to have fun. and um, We're going to have to have a Michael Rucker watch. How many times does Michael Rucker pop, pop up in these? Yeah, we're just going to have to have a drinking game with Michael Rucker, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I know there's one of them for sure he's not in, but I don't know about the others. Well, you know what? You want to just watch Walking Dead? Yeah, just watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> you know what? Fuck this. We're out. Bye.